Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. It's Cole Cruz, and you're listening to the KC at the Movies Podcast for 2018. It's the 7th of February. It was a beautiful day today, a sunny day, but it's a uh, kind of a muggy night. I can't have the fan on because it's going to fucking interrupt this recording, but it's, uh, it's back. I'm back. It, the podcast is back. I'm back. Uh, I told you to be back, uh, whether this goes up on Thursday morning or um, Wednesday night, uh, I am here, and I'm ready to talk about some new things. It's a brand new year, so let's talk about some brand new things. Oscars are just around the corner. The ceremony is literally in marks, uh, March, so we're going to talk about all the Oscar nominees. I'm going to be casting my own predictions, and I'm also going to be giving alternate uh, votes, or um, giving uh, switching some actresses out, or actresses out, or directors out, and giving my own choices in there. I've already done a bit of that with the Best Picture things, and I released my full Best Picture alternate Oscars on Instagram, just to... Um, kind of uh, give this podcast a bit of a sneak peek to some people, but uh, things like Best Actor, Best Director, and Best um, like Supporting Actor, Supporting Actress, that I will keep on this podcast and on this podcast only. So I'll get to the um, Oscars, the second half of this podcast, because first I want to talk about um, the Cloverfield Paradox, which is, um, yeah, it's here. It's out. Uh, you can watch it right now on Netflix. So, um, and I'm going to be talking quite heavily into that, and um, we're talking spoilers for both uh, Cloverfield, perhaps 10 Cloverfield Lane, maybe, and, um, of course, the Cloverfield Paradox, because I can't really get into things without spoiling it. So, I'll be talking about that first, and I'll be talking about the Netflix, um, the Oscars uh, in the second half. Hopefully, we don't run too long, either, because I've got some stuff to do um, regarding the major project, which I'll get into next Tuesday about it. But let's just talk about... uh, First of all, let's talk about the Cloverfield Paradox. Now, the Cloverfield Paradox is a film. It's out. It's on Netflix. You can watch it. Uh, they released a trailer before the Super Bowl, and then uh, they released the whole film, the whole movie, right after the Super Bowl. And uh, the Cloverfield Paradox is not directed by Dan Trachtenberg. However, it's still affiliated, affiliated with Bad Pro- Robot Productions with J.J. Uh, Abrams. And it's not the same director like Dan Trachtenberg, who did uh, Tank Cloverfield Lane. It is a brand new director and I believe brand new writers as well. This film used to be called God Particle and was going to be distributed by Paramount Pictures uh, in April 2018. It's been pushed back a bit, a lot actually. Production actually finished in 2016, I believe. And a new information I read today is that Netflix bought this film for $50 million and uh, using this marketing strategy, they plopped it straight out. So... Kind of what they did was, uh, before the Super Bowl even happened, or during the Super Bowl, I, th- I believe it was during because that's in the ads play, uh, they released a trailer for this um, just to surprise everybody. The Clover- a new Cloverfield film has- is getting released. Um, now, I'm not too sure if they changed the title from God Particle to a Cloverfield 3 or anything beforehand. I had I don't have any information about that. Someone could, but I just believe that um, from what I've seen, that they just went, bang, new Cloverfield film, straight to the Super Bowl. So that's what I uh, saw. But can a good, um, a kind of clever marketing strategy make up for the film itself? And that's what I want to talk about right now. So the Cloverfield Paradox is supposed to be the film that connects all the Cloverfield films. It's supposed to be the one that uh, kind of builds the franchise is that's what it was marketed as. And Netflix said the exact same thing on, I believe I saw the trailer on Facebook. Um, cause, uh, I think I, I think it was the is it movie phone or the Hollywood Reporter did, because uh, they were doing the tr- ads all day, and I saw the Cloverfield Paradox, and it said, uh, 10 years ago, something happened, nation, no why. I, I think maybe it was Netflix, actually, I saw. But they, they the marketing was that they would explain why the Cloverfield, why 2008 Cloverfield pretty much came to be. And that is what I, what you expect as a Cloverfield fan. Um, I really loved the Cloverfield uh, 2008 one, the first one, Cloverfield Lane. Uh, sorry, Cloverfield and and uh, 10 Cloverfield Lane in 2000 and I believe it was, ooh, 16? 2016 um, was a really, just a great surprise, a really cool um, contained intense uh, thrill, bottle thriller, really, 
with um, great, really strong performances from John Goodman, John Gallagher Jr., and especially um, uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Winstead, Winstead, whatever you say his fucking name. Her name, sorry. Um, and whether you love or hate that movie because of uh, what that film was before or how, how it tried to connect itself to the Cloverfield universe in the end of the film. Um, you know, I like the film. I like the film. Um, even if it did that, had that crazy ending. Um, it's, I'm kind of mixing the ending, but I love the film overall. I thought it was really cool. Really cool. Now, um, so the Cloverfield Paradox is about these, um, kind of these, uh, astronauts. They are, uh, they are on the Cloverfield Space Station, or it's called the Shepherd. And they are trying to, I believe, shoot fire and energy beam. Uh, into space. Um, let's just, you know what? I'm going to save myself here. I'm going to save myself here. I'm just going to look up the information itself. Because I kind of have an idea, but I'd like to explain it um, clearly. Yeah, so they test the device, which is the Shepard, to solve an energy crisis and end up face to face with a. Um, Dark reality, or as I want to just explain it, as pretty much they they have two dimensions collide when they have this colossal failure of this uh, uh, this energy beam. So when they fire this thing, um, both two dimensions collide, and eventually you're stuck in another dimension. And that's what happens in this. And that's what happens in this film. Now, I want to commend this film on um, being at least an intriguing space thriller. I haven't really seen anything like it, especially um, playing with the idea of being in alternate realities and different dimensions. So I'll give it that. Um, it had a respectable cast as well. Daniel Brühl, uh, David Oyelowo. Um, what's her name from? I think, I'm pretty sure it's from Black Mirror. Yeah, Elizabeth De- uh, Debicki. And um, Chris O'Dowd as well. He was in that too. Um I'm blanking on the uh, I'm blanking on the name Ava Hamilton who played her. I'm blanking on her name, um, but I believe she was in um, Black Mirror, the uh, the uh, White Christmas one, or the Black Bear episode. I think it was the Black Bear episode, the White Bear. Anyway, it's got a good cast. I'll just <laughs> let's just say that it's got a good cast, and there are strong performances uh, throughout. It's got a fast pace, and uh, I really enjoyed the first hour of the film. I was on board. Um, I had an idea what was going on. I kind of got intri- intrigued, um, and I couldn't help but try to connect it with the Cloverfield films um, because of my prior knowledge of the Cloverfield uh, franchise. However, unfortunately, and that well, that's all well and good, but unfortunately, this film falters with, unfortunately, the Cloverfield stuff, the Cloverfield elements, and how it connects all the films together. Which is very dis- it's very disappointing, to be honest. Um, there's a lot of forced exposition in the film, especially with this author trying to talk about this book and then and warning everyone about the dimension clash. Um, and there just could be more time to explain what was going on in the film because half the time I was trying to figure out what timeline we're in or what dimension we're in, and it was just very, um, very foggy and unclear uh, because. Now, this is where I'm going to get to spoilers. In the first film, at the end of it, and this is what Cloverfield fans debate about, they have a discussion about, there is a satellite or a space debris that falls into the water at the end of the film um, when he's at the fairground, I think. And it falls into the water. Now, it's very hard to, to see. See, it's, it's like a blink and a miss it thing, and it hits the ocean, it hits the water. In 10 Cloverfield Lane, it's suggested that Don Goodman's character used to work for the company that employed uh, that kind of stuff employed the people that like, kind of like worked or he worked at least I think he worked in that kind of area and that's he worked for that company I think um, sorry if that sounds really confusing but John Goodman's character was um, associated with what happened there um, that's what we believe anyway as uh, the fans debate so and that is what is supposed to be the catalyst that awakes the Cloverfield monster. This Cloverfield monster is kind of like it's not it's not too big, it's not too small. It's kind of like a thing that crawls. Um, it's it's this pterodactyl looking thing, and it terrorizes New York City in the first one, in the two thousand eight um, film. 
of just the name Cloverfield. And, uh, yeah, this satellite is supposed to be what awakes it. In the end of the Cloverfield Paradox, the spaceship, the Cloverfield space station falls apart and they escape in this escape pod or space debris, however you want to see it, and they land in this ocean. They land in the ocean, not this ocean, the ocean. <laughs> and at the end of the film, uh, a very large, what seems to be the Cloverfield monster, pops up through the clouds. Now, this is this is through the clouds. And the one in the 2008 timeline, or the 2008 film, sorry, it is not that big. It's not even taller than the Empire State Building. And this Cloverfield monster at the end of the Cloverfield Paradox is supposed to be... Is it, well, it is. It's bigger than the clouds. Its head just appears on screen and it shoots for the clouds. It's supposed to be kind of like a jump scare kind of thing. Um, didn't get me, though. I, mean, I usually get got those jump scares, but it uh, didn't get me that time. But there was a few in this film that did kind of get me, I will agree. And uh, it's, it's fucking huge. It's bigger than the clouds, and you're just wondering what the fuck is going on. Um, now, this is where this is where the timelines are jumbled, because when they... So, in the beginning of the film, they're on the Cloverfield Paradox kind of dimension. Um, it's that movie's dimension. And then when they finally... Then they collide in the middle of the film, and they collide with the other dimension, which I thought at first was the 2008 Cloverfield dimension. Um... I kind of like tried to piece that together, and I was like, "Oh, this is are we in the 2008 dimension now? Are we in, I mean, that dimension?" So, um, I was trying to piece all that shit together. And uh, but then we go back when we're in this new dimension. We're supposed to, and that's I. I thought it was as I, as I've said, um, like literally seconds ago, I said it was the 2008 dimension. But when we go back to the husband, now I didn't explain the backstory about the uh, the the. Uh, lead character Ava Hamilton she has a husband she has a very tragic backstory of the, her, her kids and uh, they uh, died in a house fire because of an energy cell that she put in the house and it caught fire and, and killed the whole it killed the kids and it's very very fucking tragic um, she's on the space station and the husband is down on earth and um, after we have this uh, dimensional clash we go back to the husband and this, and again, I think this is the. I'm thinking this is the timeline or the or the reality because now that this paradox film is setting up dimensions, I'm starting to think that oh, Cloverfield takes place in dimensions now. The franchise takes place in dimensions. So when we go back to the husband, he seems to be using a modern day uh, kind of phone when he's texting the. Um, I think I believe he's texting the captain of the ship or or the captain of the. The, the captain that's running the whole um, program, the Shepard, in the, in the space station. And he's using like a modern day, like a really modern smartphone. It looked like an iPhone X or something. It's crazy. Um, it's, it's not crazy. It's, it's, cra it's like crazy modern. And it doesn't really look like a smartphone or a phone, for example, that you would use in 2008. So that's where my kind of, that's where I was kind of like, okay, so what dimension are we actually in? Because if that's that dimension, so which which one, which dimension is the 2008 um, Cloverfield monster in? What's that dimension? And you marketed this film as as Netflix. This is on you. You marketed this film as the film that is supposed to connect all these three together. And so far, I have no connection at all. I'm really actually confused. I'm actually getting... Uh, more questions than concrete answers. So it's only leaving me kind of befuddled, really. And in 10 Cloverfield Lane, in the end of that, when uh, Michelle's driving off in the car towards the city, uh, where she, I think they, they need um, reinforcements, and then she goes decides to go to the city, there's a mothership in the sky. There's an alien mothership in the sky. And there's no aliens in the Paradox universe, and there's no aliens in the... The, we don't know anything about the 2008 universe. We only know that the Cloverfield monster has arisen and started terrorizing the city. So, do these films take place in different dimensions? What if and if so, like you need to be clear on what dimension these films take place in because as audiences, we're trying to piece everything together, but we're only I don't know we're, we're failing at it because the storytelling is is entirely unclear and the. And it's kind of lazy, to be honest. It's not... You're not giving us answers. It's, um... 
it's another. It's a problem that happened with another a, re, a recent Netflix film that I caught. Uh, Jesus Christ, why did I watch it? Uh, the Open House with Dylan Minnette. Uh, it's it's extremely lazy writing and storytelling, and we don't get told anything. We don't get told anything. Nothing. We don't get told why the, the that thing uh, that man was terrorizing the house. We get nothing. We get told no answers. There's nothing. There's nothing. And that's what I'm feeling with paradox. It's not connecting anything. It's not connecting the universes. And if so. If it is connected to the universes, if it is connecting the franchise, wrapping it up, or even expanding it to make room for more, how is it doing it? Because the movie is not explaining to me how it's doing it. It's not. It's just its own thing, and then suddenly got shoehorned in all the Cloverfield stuff. And that's where I think has kind of gone wrong. Now, a little bit later, I'll I'll get into um, why I think something has happened here, and this is why the film is this way. This is my kind of interpretation, but I believe there's many other, um, there's many other that, that are the same as this one that I'm about to say, because it's it's based off true information. So, I mean that's pretty much it. Like, and it's also good. Uh, Chris O'Dowd, especially, he seems to be given be the comic relief. Some of his jokes land, some of them don't, and there's because and that's just because of the situation that characters are in. The joke needs to be there. I'm sick of. I'm really sick of movies where they, they think that they need there needs to be kind of a uh, a joke or something to kind of take levity out of the situation that they're in. Why can't we just have characters just be in that situation, be in that moment, and feel that emotion without having that forced levity? And um, it seems to be we're getting more of that nowadays. And I just I really want that to stop because it's one of my. It's becoming one of my not not fun things. I don't like it. <laughs> don't like it at all. And uh, that's the problem here with, um, there's there's that in Cloverfield, but the prob- the major problem with Cloverfield Paradox is, why the fuck is it called the Cloverfield Paradox? Um, or why is it given that subtitle where it doesn't really connect any of these universes at all? It doesn't. It doesn't give us any answers. It just leaves us with more questions. And if you want to continue on, well... Well, now you can because there's 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 there seems to be unlimited dimensions now, unless there's three dimensions, or there could be more dimensions. So there's a lot of room for all this other stuff, but you still haven't explained what happened. You haven't done it. So that's why the whole movie for me just falls flat. As much as we have great cast and great performances, and a kind of intriguing space kind of isolation thriller being um, stuck up there because of what happens in the second half of the movie it just makes the whole movie fall flat unfortunately and it's very disappointing to say Um, and as a Cloverfield fan of this uh, this franchise um, you know as much as these marketing strategies seem to work this one this time around it didn't it didn't work and it just um and if they try it again, I don't. It needs. To, it has to work because if it, they've tried again, it's another dud. Netflix, yeah, there's going to be some trouble there. Um, and that's kind of my thoughts on the whole thing. So I was kind of like, kind of let down by the Cloverfield paradox, unfortunately. And I really wanted to like it because I like Cloverfield. So I really wanted to like it, and uh, yeah, it just told me not. It gave me nothing. Unfortunately, in the end, I was left with a limp dick. <laughs> uh, now, the reason I believe this is this is um, like this, and this is based on a few things I've read online, is that Paramount I originally had this film, as I said, called God Particle, and they wanted to slap the Cloverfield name on it, so they reshot these scenes, and especially the scenes with the husband, I believe, on Earth. Um, they had all these. They had all these. Um, they had all these scenes in, and they reshot these scenes to have the, to kind of try and connect the Cloverfield stuff and and give it that subtitle, the Cloverfield Paradox, and and change. Sorry, not cha- sorry, not changing the um, not giving a subtitle, changing the title from God Particle to the Cloverfield Paradox. And I believe Paramount must have had some test screenings or something. Now this is something I, I haven't read, but I kind of are thinking about it that they had some test screenings and something 
like the audiences weren't liking it and they're like oh shit we don't have something um, I guess tangible here we don't have a success I guess and they saw that coming so when Netflix offered to buy it for 50 million Paramount just went yeah just, you can have it there it is there it is take it and that, that gives Netflix all the distribution rights and now and then Netflix decides to use that marketing strategy because it has the Cloverfield name and they believe they have this they're going to make some money off this Cloverfield especially the Cloverfield name that's attached to it that's the big thing that's going to get audiences Netflix believes and they use that marketing thing and then they release the film and then we get that we get left with nothing to be honest and it's like Paramount had a bomb and this bomb was going to go off uh, and Netflix come along and said hey what do you got there and Paramount just went oh I've got this this uh, this lovely um, this lovely watermelon or something uh, even though bombs don't look like watermelons <laughs> I've got this uh, contraption. It's really cool. Um, you'll love it. Uh, it's got some really cool um, elements inside it, and it'll be. It's people will kind of understand it, and you'll get it. And Netflix was like, "Oh, that looks cool. I'll give you fifty million for that." And they're just like, "Yep, there it is. Take it." And I believe that's what's happened here, because if you look at Paramount's, especially Paramount's two thousand seventeen movies, a lot of them failed, and a lot of them didn't go too well. Um, Marvel was a big one, I believe. Um, and there was a few successes with Transformers. And did they do Triple X? Did they do Triple X? From the trailer, did they do? Oh, I can't. But I think that did well too, but Transformers obviously was the big one that would have gotten the money, but there's a lot of other ones that they um, produced that didn't make the money, and they believed that if Cloverfield was going to lose the money they just give it off to this other distributor and just like, here, you can have our fucking mess. So, um, yeah, it's not looking good for Paramount at the moment. They could even implode within the next three years, perhaps. Um, yeah, I don't, I, I don't know. Studios nowadays, big studios, seem to be making less money than, um, I don't know about Universal, but Paramount, for example, obviously has made less money than even Amazon Studios, and they're like a new—they're a new thing. They're just—they're just here, and that—and that is, um, and also Netflix as well, which is an online streaming service, obviously. And the streaming service—that's what's happening. We're getting these streaming services, and they're taking these films. I think the same thing happened with *Annihilation*, um, the movie based off Jeff Vandermeer's book with Natalie Portman. Um, I believe that was. I think that was done in secret by Paramount. And they palmed that off to Netflix, and now that's going to be released on Netflix as well. Um, let me just make sure that, I'm, make sure that they did the right thing, because I, I saw an article, and um, I just want to double-check that this is what they did. Um, okay. I'll just put... Uh, Okay. Okay. So, Annihilation is coming out on Netflix internationally. I believe they're still distributing it in America. It looks like they're still distributing it in North America through uh, Paramount. But now, in everywhere else, it's going to be on Netflix. Interesting. Hmm. So when. American Theaters on February 23. Bunch of lost promotional fanfare than Arrival got. February's holy prime time. Yeah, obviously. Maybe get an eventual rollout. International release be handled. Handled by Netflix. They sold the rights to Netflix in December. Wow. That's so annoying. Yeah. They don't think Annihilation is going to make any money, to be honest. That's what I'm getting from it. Probably to do this one from Garland, obviously. He made a annihilation to be seen on the big screen. Yeah, and and that's and what a what a spit in the face of Alice Garland as well, who made X Mark in it, and it's a fucking great film. So what a what a spit in the face of Alice Garland. 
the, the, the director, by the way. Jesus. So they had poor test screening results of Annihilation because the audience saw that it was too intellectual. <laughs> Oh my god. And what a rival wasn't? Jesus. Yeah, I know what that's about. Okay. Two biggest markets, US and China, but the Netflix partnership is outside. So they can use the deal to make back the $55 million budget. The studio is going to miss out on any international grosses, of course, because they're they sold it outside of US. So Netflix is going to make all the money if Annihilation is a hit. Wow. Exactly. Yep. I agree with all that shit. I agree with all that. And by selling it to Netflix, that's just as I said, it's spitting in Garland's face, just saying we don't trust your vision. So, outside of the US, we're going to give this to another distributor instead. But if they make, if this makes movie makes money out of the US, um, it's a, that's a fucking... First of all, it is a dick move by Paramount. And Paramount, that's what I'm saying. It was a dick move from Paramount just to go, give, give Cloverfield Paradox to Netflix and we go, there it is, have that. Um, I don't know if that's smart in business terms. Is it smart? Um, but as a filmmaker, I just believe it's a fucking dick move. And especially doing that to Alex Garland with Annihilation, giving that to Netflix and not letting it have, um, not letting him have the big screens outside the the US. Yeah, that's just, um, I guess that's, it's very, it's really just showcasing a lack of trust and, um, that's what, that's what studios and producers do. They're supposed to show the director that they trust them to, to handle this material and allow them to create the project. And they've just done the complete opposite of that by doing that with Annihilation. Sorry, that was just a massive tangent <laughs> that went off from Cloverfield Paradox. Um, that's, isn't that interesting? Um, wow. So yeah, Cloverfield Paradox. Um, I don't know, if you're a fan of Cloverfield give it a watch but it also just doesn't it's not going to help you it's not going to answer that question that Netflix posed where it said 10 years ago something happened We it's time to find out why you don't so yeah isn't that shit <laughs> Jesus alright so that's on Netflix right now you can go watch it but yeah warning I guess Alright, we're getting the half an hour here. Let's finish this baby off. Let's get into it. The 2018 Oscars. Let's get fucking into it. Let's do this. Let's do it. Let's do it. Alright. Let's just get... Let's just... You know what? Let's just get straight into it. No introduction. Let's get straight into it. So the nominees were announced a couple of weeks ago. I'm not going to know the date. Uh, they were announced a couple of weeks ago. The films were... I'm pretty happy with the nominees. There are a few nominees that I was like, eh, about. And uh, as always with every single year. But this is probably one of the years where I'm most satisfied with the choices that were made. So... Let's take a look and start with production design. Uh, Beauty and the Beast. Blade Runner 2049. Darkest Hour. Dunkirk and The Shape of Water. Yeah, okay. Now, I would either give this to Blade Runner 2049 or The Shape of Water. However, I believe The Shape of Water could win it. However, Darkest Hour could win it. I don't think it will, though. Um, I'm going to give my bets. I'm going to put my bets on The Shape of Water. I would love Blade Runner 2049 to win it, but I'm going to put my bets on The Shape of Water. So The Shape of Water will win that one. Cinematography. Now, these are the ones... I'm. It's in this weird order because this is the order I saved them in, but, you know, we'll get there. Cinematography. Blade Runner 2049, Roger Deakins, Darkest Hour, Bruno de, Del Benel, uh, Dunkirk, Hoyt van Hoytema, 
Mudbound, Rachel Morrison. Also, fuck yeah, Rachel Morrison. The first female cinematographer to be nominated in this category. Hell yes, making actual history. What a fucking great... Um, what a great thing to celebrate. Uh, the Shape of Water, um, and that is uh, Dan Lauston? Lauston. Sorry, mate, if I'm fucking butchering that shit. Um, Blade, it's Roger Deakins, Blade Runner 2049. Come on. He has to win. <laughs> he has to win this one. Um, yeah, Hoyt van Hoytman, maybe, but it has to be Roger Deakins. That cinematography was fucking gorgeous. You could literally hang every single frame of that film on your wall. As a, and it'd be like, be like, is that a painting? No, that's fucking Blade Runner 2049. No. We talked about that, didn't we, uh, last time. It's got to be Roger Deakins. Blade Runner 2049. That's my pick. There's nothing I'd put in there because I don't know much about... Um, I don't really pay attention to much cinematography as, as much as um, the actors, uh, the writing and storytelling and directors. Right, costume design. Beauty and the Beast... Uh, Jacqueline Duran, Darkest Hour, Jacqueline Duran. Oh, Jacqueline, you busy girl. Phantom Thread, Mark Bridges, The Shape of Water, Louis Sakira, and a Victorian Abdul Consolator Boyle. Consolator Boyle. Um, I'm going to give that to either. It's going to be either Darkest Hour, or it could be Phantom Thread. Maybe that could that could get it in there. That could get it in there. I'm gonna get. I'm gonna. Put, my pick's gonna be the Shape of Water. Um, for that one. Yeah. My pick's gonna be the Shape of Water. It could be Phantom Thread though, and it could be Darkest Hour. So, but my pick will be the Shape of Water. Uh, moving on to sound editing. Baby Driver, Julian Slater, Blade Runner 2049, Mark Mangini and Theo Green, Don Kirk, Richard King, and Alex Gibson. Shape of Water. Nathan Rabatal and Nelson Ferreira. And Star Wars The Last Jedi, Matthew Wood, and Ren Kleiss. Ren Kleiss, what an interesting name. Um, yeah, this is this is an interesting category. This is, there's some really good choices here. Uh, but my pick is going to go to Baby Driver, Julian Slater. However, I'm pr- Dave Blade Runner could get it, Dunkirk could get it. Jeez. But I'm going to go with Baby Driver. My pick's going to be Baby Driver. Sound Mixing, Baby Driver, Blade Runner, Dunkirk, Star Wars, Shape of Water. Baby Driver again. Um, however, Sound Mixing, this could go to... Again, Blade Runner 2049, Dunkirk. Hmm. Shape of Water, maybe. But the, the, the sound and the editing, the sound editing of Baby Driver, which is why I think Baby Driver should get sound editing, and the mixing as well... It's got to be Baby Driver. Come on. I'll give it to Baby Driver again. Right. Um, let's skip those ones. Uh, do I do Do I do score? I don't know if I did score last year. Let's just talk about score anyway. Original score, Dunkirk, Hans Zimmer, Phantom, Fred, Johnny Greenwood, Shape of Water, Alexandra Desplat, Star Wars The Last Jedi, John Williams, and three billboards outside Edmond, Missouri, Carter Burwell. That will probably either go to Johnny Greenwood or Hans Zimmer. Um, could get a shape of water too. My pick, however, is going to be Hans Zimmer for Dunkirk. Visual effects. Blade Runner 2049, uh, uh, John Nelson... Yeah, I'm not going to say all these people. Blade Runner 2049, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, Kong Skull Island, Star Wars The Last Jedi, and War for the Planet of the Apes. It could either go to War for the Planet of the Apes or Blade Runner 2049. However, I am going to go with Blade Runner 2049. Um, Blade Runner 2049 seems to be taking a lot of technical categories. So I'm going to give it to Blade Runner 2049. That's going to be my pick. Film editing. Baby Driver. Dunkirk. I, Tonya, Shape of Water. And three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. And my pick's going to be Baby Driver once again. Because that's one of the best... That's It's some of the best editing I've seen in film. So, um... 
It's so fucking perfect and meticulous. It's so good. So, baby driver for me. Makeup and hairstyling. There's only three in here. Darkest Hour, Victorian Abdul, and Wonder. There's no... It's Darkest Hour. Come on. It's Darkest Hour. That's just a no-brainer. Look at Gary Oldman. The dude's in prosthetics, and it looks incredible. Supporting Actress. Moving on. Supporting Actress. Mary J. Blige, Alison Janney. It's Mary J. Blige for Mudbound. Alison Janney for Itonia. Leslie Manville for Phantom Thread. Laurie Metcalf for Lady Bird. And Octavia Spencer for Shape of Water. Now, my pick is going to be Alison Janney for Artonia. She's been absolutely cleaning every other awards ceremony, and I do believe it should belong to Alison Janney for Artonia because her performance is the best in the film, to be honest. Sorry, Margo. Um, it's a really... It's such a good... It's a, it's a good movie, but her performance just steals it. She steals it. Um, now, here, I think I wanted to do a bit of switching around, I think, because I would take out... Because I haven't seen a Phantom Thread, so I'll take out Leslie Manville. I'm going to take out Leslie Manville and put in Holly Hunter from The Big Sick. Because she was so good in The Big Sick. She was so good. And uh, she was one of the best parts of the movie. Um, so was Ray Romano, to be honest, as well. But Holly Hunter was a force in... Um, uh, in the big sick, not so much as in a forces in. She wants to get shit done. She's just, she was just, she provided a lot of the emotion in the story as well. As much as the main characters did, she had a lot of emotion as well, and she provided a lot of. Um, I don't know. She was, she was just good. She was just great in the film. Um, it's good to see her in a role like that, in a, in a movie, a film like that. So I'll take it, Leslie Manville, and I'm going to whack in Holly Hunter for the big sick. Supporting actor, Willem Dafoe for The Florida Project. Really want to fucking see that. Haven't seen it yet. Woody Harrelson for Three Billboards Outside of Ebbing, Missouri. Richard Jenkins for The Shape of Water. Christopher Plummer for All the Money in the World. And Sam Rockwell for Three Billboards Outside of Ebbing, Missouri. Now. As much as I like Woody... I'm going to take him out. I'm going to take Woody out. And I'm going to put in Barry Keoghan or Barry Keegan, however you say his name, from Killing of a Sacred Deer because that boy fucking killed it. And I'm going to whack in him. It's Sam Rockwell. He's going to win it. Uh, he's my pick anyway. He probably will win it. But I'm going to put in Barry Keoghan, Barry Keegan. I was like Kyogen, there's an O in his name, so when I say Kyogen. And take out Woody Harrelson. Sorry, Woody. Um and I'll put in Barry. Barry is incredible. Wow. Villain of the Year, I'll say it again, just like I said in the last podcast. Villain of the Year. Um, but it'll probably go to Sam Rockwell as 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 he as it should, he deserves it. He deserves any accolades he's getting his way because this man is just awesome. He should have got something for Moon, to be honest, but you know, that didn't happen. Moving on. Foreign language film. Yeah, I know. It's a weird order, I know. Uh, a Fantastic Woman, The Insult, Loveless, on Body and Soul in the Square. I haven't seen any of these films uh, because I haven't been to any of the festivals. Um, I haven't got a chance. They're not playing here at all, and I can't get them anywhere else. So I haven't seen any of them. I would love to see The Square, though, because that took home the Palme d'Or from Khan. Um, the insult's doing apparently really good in the US um, so is the fantastic woman but I'm going to give it to it's going to be either out of the fantastic woman a fantastic woman in the square and I'm going to give it to the square my pick's going to be the square from Sweden fantastic woman is from Chile by the way so I'm going to give it to the square yeah the trailer looks really really quirky and really cool so I was just, I'll, I'll give it to the square that's my pick Right. <clears throat> Original song. Uh, Mighty River, Mudbound. Mystery of Love, Call Me By Your Name. Remember Me, Coco, Stand Up For Something. Marshall? Marshall, okay. 
and this is me, the greatest showman. Now, could I either go to the greatest showman, this is me, or could go to remember me for Coco. It could also go to Mystery of Love for Call Me By Your Name. I don't know. I'm just going to go for the film that I've seen is Mystery of Love, because Call Me By Your Name is a fucking gorgeous movie. And it needs to be seen. My God. My God, it needs to be seen. Oh, it's so beautiful. Um, fuck, maybe I should talk about that later. Now there's not enough time. Um, I'll talk about that in a sec. I'll, maybe I'll talk about that next week. Do a few late reviews. Um, God damn, it, call me by your name. It's beautiful. So I'm going to go Mystery, Mystery of Love by Mr. Sufjan Stevens. Um, who I haven't had a listen to yet. I need to listen to him, apparently. Okay, this is where it's a bit fucked. <laughs> Animated feature. As much as it pains me to say, The Boss Baby, Ferdinand, The Breadwinner, Coco, and Loving Vincent. Loving Vincent is a really good film, a really unique animated film. I've never seen anything like it, and it was very touching and beautiful. However, it's obviously going to go to Coco. So I'm going to, my pick's obviously going to be, I'm just going to go with The Breadwinner. (laughs) Not The Breadwinner, but The Breadwinner, Coco. I'm going to go with Coco, but I'm going to take out the boss baby because why the fuck is it in there and put in what needs to be there, what needs to be there. It wasn't there in 2013 and it needs to be fucking there in 2000, it needs to be there in 2018. Fuck the boss baby off and put in, please, the Lego Batman movie because that's one of the best DC DC films I have seen in my life. It's one of the best Batman stories and it's... Just as good as Wonder Woman. I'm going to say, it's just as good as Wonder Woman. As much as I enjoyed Wonder Woman, as much as in Wonder Woman is a very important film, um, and it's also a very, um, just such an entertaining film as well. Uh, Batman, the Lego Batman movie just held it together the whole time. It's so enjoyable. It's, it, it, But it also went very deep in its themes as well, especially with the psychological trauma of Bruce Wayne himself. Bruce Wayne. Bruce Wayne himself. Um, and the complexities of Batman as a person. Um, Batman as a hero and Bruce Wayne as a person. Um, especially his relationship with the Joker. I couldn't believe how deep it went. Uh, so, God damn, the Lego Batman movie should be fucking there. It just seems to be that Hollywood likes to snub the, the Lego movies, and it's fucking stupid. And I don't like it. Why the fuck is the boss baby in there? Why? I can't. I can't, I can't wrap my head around that. I can't wrap my head around the boss baby being in there. I just just can't. I can't. Oh, God. Moving on. Coco's going to win. My pick's Coco, by the way. Adapted screenplay. Call Me By Your Name, James Ivory. Disaster Artist. Uh, Scott Neustadter and Michael H. Weber. Holy shit, sorry Scott if I had to butcher your name there. Logan by Scott Frank and James Mangold. Michael Green, story by James Mangold. Molly's Game, written with a screen by Aaron Sorkin. And Mudbound by uh, Virgil Williams and Dee Reese. Dee Reese also directed Mudbound as well. Um, oh boy. I'd love to give it to James Ivory for calling by her name. But I'm pretty sure Molly's game is going to win because of some, how much of a Hollywood heavyweight Aaron Sorkin is and how much of a great writer he is. I haven't seen Molly's game yet. I intend to see it. Um, I believe it's out now, isn't it? So I do and go intending to see it. Intend to see it. And uh, Aaron Sorkin writes great scripts. Uh, so it could go to Aaron, I'd, but I'd like to see James Ivory, Call Me By Your Name, get it. Oh, this is a tough one. As much as I want to go the one that will probably win, I just really want... And who knows, if I saw Molly's game, perhaps I want Aaron Sorkin to win too. Look, I'm going to go with... I'm going to go with the outlier here and the two here. I'm going to go Call Me By Your Name, James Ivory. That's what I'm going to go with. Yeah. Alright, original screenplay. The Big Sick by Emily V. Gordon and Kumail Nanjiani. 
Oh, beautiful people. Get Out, written by Jordan Peele. Lady Bird, written by Greta Gerwig. Shape of Water by Guillermo del Toro, Vanessa Taylor. And Three Billboards Outside of Missouri by Martin McDonough. Wow, what a fucking great category this is. I, I love every single uh, choice in here. Fantastic. Um, I would love to see Jordan Peele get it. I'd love to see Emily V. Gordon and Kamala Lanjani to get it. I'd love to see Martin McDonough get it. I would love to see Greta Gerwig get it for Lady Bird. Um, I haven't seen Lady Bird, but I'm going next week. Woo! Going to a screening next week on Valentine's Day by myself. Fuck yeah. <laughs> worth it, though, to see a great film. Apparently a great film. So worth it to see that. Um, yeah, it's oh, this is hard. Eh? This is really hard. I want, I love, I just love all of them. But I'm going to go with three billboards outside of Missouri. Martin McDonough. Mike McDonough. God, that's hard. It's like choosing your child, that one. Holy shit, your favorite child. Holy shit. Leading actor. Timothy Chalamet, call him by your name. Daniel Day-Lewis, Phantom Thread. Daniel Kaluuya, Get Out. Gary Oldman, Darkest Hour. Denzel Washington for Roman J. Israel Esquire. Right. Yeah, uh, uh, look. Loved, I would love to see Timothy Chalamet get it for calling by a name. God damn, that boy was a... I can't get enough of that film. Um, yeah, I'd love to see him get it. I'd love to see Daniel Kaluuya get it as well. However, I don't think he's going to... As much as he was good in it, I don't think he's going to be good... At, he's going to fare well against Chalamet and obviously the big one, Gary Oldman, who's been taking out all the awards so far and um, is probably going to win. Um, I'd take out, there's a very, there's a, such an obvious missing choice here. He won the Golden Globe and he's not here. Denzel Washington's here instead. And he should be here in my opinion. He should be here. This is the, I, like, look, despite everything that's happened, he should be here. Um, yeah, they should be replacing James, um, Denzel Washington James Franco. You should be there. Uh, I even take out Daniel Day-Lewis and put in Hugh Jackman for Logan. Because of how fucking good of a film that was. Again, I can't talk because I haven't seen Phantom Thread. So how am I going to know? Let's go over a little bit more choice here. Um... I mean, you could even take out... I mean, you could even take out fucking... Daniel Day-Lewis or Denzel Washington. You could take out Denzel Washington because I, I, I get Daniel Day-Lewis' Phantom Threat. I get that. But Denzel Washington wasn't even in anything. Anything, I don't think. Any of the awards. Um, it was he in the SAGs? I'm not too sure. But I think... Actually, I think he was after the whole fiasco for James Franco. Um... Yeah, look, I'll take out Denzel Washington. I could put in Hugh Jackman there. I can put in Robert Pattinson there for good time because holy shit, these best performance of his career. Um, yeah. What's another? There's another. I can. There's another actor I can easily put in there as well. Um, even Andy Serkis for fucking Caesar for Planet of the Apes. Even even Andy Serkis. That man has been doing Caesar for three films now, and his performance is fucking phenomenal. So, uh, this is, yeah. Look, my pick is... Uh, Gary Oldman is going to get it, but my pick is going to be Timothy Chalamet, for calling by your name. I don't want to spend too much, much more time on this one, because we're going a bit over time here. So, um, yeah. That's that. Right. Whew, leading actress. Charlie Hawkins for Shape of Water, Francis McDormand for Three Billboards Outside Edmond, Missouri, Margot Robbie for Artonia, Saoirse Ronan for Lady Bird, and Meryl Streep for The Post. Holy shit! Take out Meryl Streep and put in. There's a, we got we we're spoiled for choice here. Uh, let's let's look at this. Take out Meryl Streep for The Post. 
and put in Aubrey Plaza for Ingrid Goes West. You could you could do that. You could you could do that. You could do Aubrey Plaza for Ingrid Goes West. You could take out her. Um, well, her performance could her performance could be good, but I've just been hearing some lukewarm stuff. And I've just I thought Aubrey Plaza was awesome in Ingrid Goes West, and Ingrid Goes West is such an underrated film. Um, Francis McDormand is going to win, and that's going to be my my pick for these. Margot Robbie was excellent in Tonya as well, especially the scene with the makeup, and especially the scene at the end uh, where she's where they're taking away, they're stripping. It's a true story, so you know what's going on. They strip away pretty much her titles to the um, uh, ice skating association, and they ban her for life. And then she's like pleading and stuff, and she, it's fucking it's sad. It's really sad. Um, Margot Robbie. Yeah, she was good. Show Sharon again. I haven't seen Ladybird, so I wouldn't know. Shape of Water. I haven't seen either, so I wouldn't know if it's Sally Hawkins. But Frances McDormand was a fucking force of nature. In Three Billboards Outside in Missouri, she fucking stole that movie. Um, as much as... A great ensemble cast as well for, um... Three billboards. She didn't like. She didn't steal it, but she was. She was very, very good in it. Sam Rockwell was incredible as well. His the arc that they decided to give him was really good. Um, very brave too. Mark McDonald. A very different thing to do, I guess, than going down the norm. Look, yeah, my pick's gonna be Frances McDormand. Um, she was gonna win it. She's won every single award so far, so it's gonna be Frances McDormand. And again, I take out Meryl Streep and I put it in Aubrey Plaza. Sorry. Um, there's not much other actresses I would try and insert. Um, the girl who was in Raw, she was really fucking good. Um, I should know her fucking name. I think it's like the girl who played Justine in Raw. She she was she was really good. Um. Is it Garantz? Is that her name? Yeah, there they are. Oh, little shit. Where are you? Yeah. It's hard to say her name. Garantz Morellier. Morellier. She's French, so... I could be saying that name completely wrong. Garantz Morellier. I'm very sorry, sweetheart. (laughs) But she was really good. You were really good in Raw, darling. Um, you were really good in Raw. And uh, your performance was just so good. Pretty much just repeated the same thing. But I, I mean it. Great performance. And that's what made Raw for me. Um, her performance. Um, but I'm just going to stick with Aubrey Plaza. Aubrey Plaza. For Ingrid Goes West. Look, Sally Hawkins could get it. Frances McDormand could get it. Shosha Ronan could get it. But it's going to be Frances McDormand. Moving on to directing. Dunkirk, Christopher Nolan. Jordan Peele, Get Out. Lady Bird, Greta Gerwig. Phantom Thread, Paul Thomas Anderson. And The Shape of Water, Guillermo del Toro. There's something wrong here. There's something wrong here. And it's and it and it, and it this is this is the thing that's wrong. Three billboards outside Edinburgh, Missouri, aka Martin McDonough, who made the fucking movie, is not even in here. He's not here. And this is the thing I don't understand. But before I get into a bit of a rant, I want to acknowledge some really cool things here. Jordan Peele and Greta Gerwig, wow. Wow. For their first feature films, they have been nominated for an Oscar for directing. And screenplay, and and best picture as well. Well, just that's just incredible. And your first time around, that is just, it's it's unheard of. If you told me, they could they could probably couldn't even believe it themselves. But wow, as a filmmaker, that is just inspiring. As a filmmaker, that is just as a as a, as a first time. I haven't done any features, obviously. Um, I've done a few shorts, but. Um, as an emerging filmmaker, I, I want to say, it's it, it's incredibly inspiring to see that first-time directors, writers, directors, 
filmmakers are getting nominated for an Oscar. That is absolutely incredible. And well done to Greta Gerwig as well to be... Um, I think it was the first female in five years, or was that was that the was that Jordan Peele for the African American one? Um, you know what? If you search it, you're gonna get a car. If you search it, you'll get the fucking answer. Um, here we go. Oscar nominations. Yeah, I knew it. Fifth woman nominated for Best Director. Yeah, so I was, I was right about that. Yeah, awesome. And again, just wow. It must be all, It must be a good film. I, and I can't wait to see it next week. Um, awesome. Yeah, so uh, let's get into this. Take out Sansom Thread. Poor Thomas Anderson. Sorry, mate. See you later. As much as I love you, PT. Take you out and put in Martin McDonough. So three billboards, three billboards outside Edinburgh, Missouri. Because if you look at the major categories, we have Frances McDormand for leading actress. We have um, we don't have a leading actor here, sorry, unfortunately, because it's an actress-driven film, <clears throat> a literature-driven film. Uh, we have original screenplay, three billboards, three billboards outside of Missouri, written by McDonough, and we have. Um, the supporting actor, Sam Rockwell, and Woody Harrelson for Three Billboards Outside in Missouri. In those major categories, Three Billboards is nominated, but it's not nominated for directing. This doesn't make any sense to me. Frances McDormand wouldn't have a performance if it weren't for Mark McDonough, if it weren't for the director. The film would not be made. It's written... But it would not be made without Martin McDonough. So it doesn't make sense for three billboards to be nominated in these categories but not get director. And that just fucking... It really annoys me that it's not in there. It just doesn't make any sense. And it doesn't... It's Hollywood. What what, what are you doing? What are you doing, Academy? Do you even know what the fuck you're doing? Yeah, that's... It baffles me. It baffles me. Wow. So, yeah, Martin McDonough should be in there for three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. And as much as I want to... As much as I want to kind of get that right, I'm just going to say three billboards from now on, or just billboards. Because, God damn, it's a fucking long name. Um, <clears throat> it's funny, because I kind of wanted to have a long name for my major project, but I was like, no, nah, I'm not going to be a dick. <laughs> Yeah, so that's just... Yeah, that's really that's really annoyed me. That's really annoyed me. I don't like that. It's really annoyed me. Um, I'm going to give it to... Look, Guillermo del Toro is going to get it. He's got every, he's got most of the awards so far. His speech at the Golden Globes was absolutely... was inspiring as well as heartwarming as well as emotional as well and just passionate. It showed you how passionate he was about this film. Passionate he was... He is about his content and about the things he creates and the stories... He um, he gives to people and the experiences he wants to share. So um, I really hope Del Toro takes that. Um, it'd be cool to see Gerwig get it. It'd be cool to see Peel get it. Um, but Del Toro, that he will probably win, and that's my pick, Del Toro. Best picture. We've reached it. Best picture. Call me by your name. Darkest hour. Dunkirk. Get Out, Lady Bird, Phantom Thread, The Post, Shape of Water, and Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. Now this is about going back to, just a bit of a, bit of a mini rant before, this is going back to directing, so why is The Post here in Best Picture where it's not here for literally anything else except actress and not directing? Literally anything. It's not even for screenplay. It's not... It's it's there, but it's just for... It's there in picture. I just... Fuck me. Look, I'll get into that for a bit, but... Okay. 
Uh, would love to see Call Me By Your Name get it. Would love to see uh, Get Out get it. Would love to see that Lady Bird get it. Would love to see Billboards get it. Would love to see Shape of Water get it. Look, I'm, I'm fine with most of these. Um, three Billboards would probably get it. As much as I'd love to see Call Me By Your Name, especially Call Me By Your Name get it. Um, but three Billboards has been seemingly getting the most of the awards so far. So I'm gonna my pick is going to be uh three billboards outside Abbey, Missouri. Um Yeah. I take out the post and I'm gonna put in one of my alternates. I'm gonna take out the post and I'd put in the big sick. And you know what? I'll take out Phantom Thread. And I'll put in Blade Runner 2049. And that's my... That would be my replacements there. Love to see the big sick in there. But love to see Blade Runner 2049 in there. But it's not there. Um, I'd even put in directing as well. I'd even slide in the knee for Blade Runner. I would. Uh, but yeah, my pick's going to be three billboards outside Edmond, Missouri. So that's it. Those are my predictions. Those are my choices. Those are my thoughts on the Oscar nominees. And I know you've got a bit of a ranting there. And uh, maybe something you didn't want, but maybe it's something you could be... Uh, you like hearing? <laughs> I don't know if many people uh, like me winging like a bitch, but sure. Uh, what I'm going to do now, though, is, as well as doing those things, I'm just going to do what I did on Instagram. If you haven't seen the Instagram post, I'll just do it now, right, right here. Um, I did this thing called Alternate Oscars, and I chose 10 different films. Now, these are only nine slots here. You could even slide in three films here, uh, as well as taking out the post tandem thread. You could slide in another film here. You really could, because there's, 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 there's only nine here, and there's 10 slots. So, again, take out tandem thread, put Blade Runner 24 on it, take out the post, put in Big Sick, and add it in the 10th slot. Just whack it in. Whack in the 10th slot. Uh, I'm going to give it to, I'd work in the 10th slot, either Detroit or Good Time. Um, but I'm going to go with, as far as, let's play with Oscar mentality, I'm going to go with Good, um, Detroit, um, directed by Catherine Bigelow. And also, she could even be in directing as well with Greta Gerwig, Catherine Bigelow should be, could be in there too. Um, but, you know, wasn't um, recognized. Right, so let's do these alternate Oscars. Now, I put this on Instagram, as I said, but I'm going to... I'll say them out loud for you now, so you can um, hear them. Bit of a drum roll. Number one, Blade Runner 2049. Two, The Big Sick. Three, Detroit. Four, The Disaster Artist. Five, Logan. Six, Good Time. Seven, Ingrid Goes West. Eight, Raw. Nine, War for the Planet of the Apes. And ten, Wind River. And those are my alternate picks for the Oscars. Um, that's not my dream picks, that's just my alternate picks, because some of my dream picks are are on there. <laughs> are on the Oscars. So, um, yeah. Those are my alternate ones. Uh, let me know if you agree with any of those, or maybe there's some films that you want to put in there as well that uh, you wouldn't mind seeing in that slot. Or in some of those slots, taking some of those slots. Um, I chose 10 because you're going to choose 10 because they've put it down to 10. Um, I think it used to be 13, didn't it? Um, but now there's I, I put in 10. And those are my thoughts on the Oscars, whether you liked it or not. Uh, did you agree with anything I'd like to say? Did you have any complaints? Am I acting like too much of a bitch? Let me know. Or don't. Just listen to this and be like, you know what? I'm going to keep it to myself. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. Um, what are we reaching here about an hour? Yeah, but I'm going a bit over. It's getting a bit late. And I have something to do tomorrow. Um, yeah, I've got a busy day tomorrow. It's, um... We've got marketing for the next two days. Today we had pitching, and that was fun. Um, 
I say fun in both a positive sense and a negative sense. Negative sense means I fucking hate public speaking. Positive sense, it was a great learning experience and it's good um, practice for the real world because I know that the film industry involves a lot of pitching because that's how you get your movie made. Um, especially producers and distributors. Uh, so that was a good learning lesson, but it sucked at the same time <laughs> because you're put on the spot a lot and I was like, what the fuck am I going to say? And that's kind of, I guess that's kind of the lesson you need to learn. Um, yeah, so thanks everyone for tuning in. Um, watch The Cloverfield Paradox if you want to. It's on Netflix. doesn't cost anything. Watch it. But I guess if you don't want to waste your time, it goes for about an hour and 40 so if you don't want to waste your time, don't worry about it. And um, who's keen for the Oscars? I'm bloody keen. I am keen for the Oscars. And soon I'm going to open up the betting pool. Um, so people are going to make some money. If they want to, if they choose to. And um, it's always good fun. So I can't wait. I'm keen to see what happens around this Oscar ceremony. Around um, who wins, who loses. Big surprises. Is there going to be another... La La Land. Oh, shit. Sorry. Moonlight. Is there going to be another moment like that? God knows what's going to happen. I'm keen for it. I'm excited. And ladies and gentlemen, uh, again, thank you for listening. And uh, I'm going to talk to you on Tuesday. We're back. We're back, baby. I'm talking to you on Tuesday. All right? Have a good one.